Thank you for choosing Tox News, your one and only source to anarcho-authoritarianism coming to your front door. Oh boy. That is the name of the title of the episode. Uh, Theory Thursday is pushed back until next Thursday, just to make sure all the ribbons and bows are tied neatly on top. But for today, we got two Tucker Carl segments. And they're back-to-back days. You got uh, yesterday with uh, the Democratic Party is planning a war on half of America. And last night, just a few hours ago, party in power is demonizing half of the country. So uh, the right-wing echo chamber is heavily ramping up their, uh, their oppressed feels. They feel oppressed. Now that Donnie Trump Jr. is out of the White House. I mean, there's a lot of times that they felt oppressed even with Don in in the White House. But uh, now is the time for them to really play victim now that they have actually uh, a minority representation in the federal government. So uh, no Militia Watch weekly update this week either. They haven't uh, made an update. I'm sure it's either uh, due to... Uh, massive events or just the inauguration and everything like that so we don't have that just yet and the theory thursday will be back next week chapter three tree uh uh, what was it a day in the life of adam and eve i I believe is chapter three uh but for today it's all cucker tarlson so strap yourselves in we're getting a lot of rants the thing i find fascinating about tucker carlson is like his position isn't to deliver any news whatsoever but to actually steer a narrative like he is one of the most blatant of avoiding any objective news reporting and actually telling his viewers what and how to feel and that's what we're getting into today so let's uh dive face first oh seems my that's not looking good so i'll just go to the main view all right let's get it Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. It's weird to say it, but this is the last day of the Trump administration. If you supported Donald Trump, that's a sad thing to face after four years. On the other hand, if you didn't support Donald Trump, if you're one of the many in our professional class who have made hating Donald Trump the very center of your life, this has got to be a pretty good day for you. You won. Your party now has control of everything. By tomorrow afternoon, Donald Trump will be gone. I mean, the lump, the, the sad thing here is, is that he's lumped like everybody who was against Trump as like as if they're pro Biden. And that's not the case here at Tox News. Um, hopefully I'll get more news segments to criticize exactly what Joe Biden is doing. Um, like, you know, his his lack of awareness going on at the southern border um, in his first hundred days. He did protect. Uh, he did try to enforce more of DACA protections, the deferred. Uh, arrivals uh what was ch- child arrivals uh deferred action for child arrivals um he did reinforce that even though Donald Trump had weakened it pretty heavily but uh uh as far as like improving the material conditions of the asylum seekers at the border who had suffered under the Trump administration and his xenophobic policies uh no action has been taken towards that whatsoever but again this is technically day two of his uh at the time of recording of biden's presidency but from last i had heard there isn't going to be that 
big of fundamental changes on that specific issue. So I'm not really that excited for uh, Biden's administration. Also reported is that they are going to back Juan Guaido in uh, Venezuela. And Juan Guaido back in 2019 uh, attempted to overthrow the elected government. Now, I'm not a Maduro fan either, but I'm also not I'm not into like powerful, influential people subverting elections in order to, you know, get their own power. So not a not a supporter of Guaido, not a supporter of Maduro, but I'm also not a supporter of U.S. backed coups. So um, that's another uh, point of contention between me and Biden. Also, he doesn't support Medicare for all. Um, that's that's a pretty big one for me. And uh, Biden is uh, almost like Pete Buttigieg, where he's like Medicare for all who want it. Um but uh, yeah, um, he he's uh, lump l- Tucker Carlson is lump something everybody who uh, was uh, anti-Trump as pro Biden when only that was just to get Trump out of office for a lot of people. And for good, you got exactly what you wanted. You should be thrilled about that. You ought to be celebrating. But they're not celebrating. That's the remarkable thing. No one in the Democratic Party seems happy tonight. They're angrier than ever. Instead of taking victory laps, they are plotting revenge against the people they just beat. What? They're thinking of new ways to injure and humiliate and degrade their political opponents, make it impossible for them to work again, throw them in jail, destroy their lives. It's hard to describe how weird and strange and awful this is to watch. Imagine winning a tennis match in straight sets, then immediately leaping over the net and smashing your opponent in the face with your racket. It wasn't enough for you to win, You had to inflict physical pain. You couldn't be happy until another human being screamed in agony. What? What kind of person would do that? (laughs) What? What kind of people were watching? What? (laughs) Can he, like, uh, provide an example for this analogy? It's like, (laughs) what? (laughs) Oh, man. There's nothing to address there. It's just so ridiculous. Uh, All right watching now, the kind of people who are even more vicious when they win. The leaders of the Democratic Party have now decided that 74 million Trump voters weren't just wrong or misguided. They didn't simply back the wrong guy or have incorrect opinions or fail to see the obvious truths. No, the threat they pose is graver and more serious than that, more dangerous. These 74 million Trump voters are in fact terrorists. They're a looming physical... Um, well, so Tucker Carlson there is doing the work for CNN and MSNBC. Um, but I don't think like everybody there, there is like a bit of like divide with the the liberals on this, but I, I personally don't believe that everybody who was there at the Capitol necessarily intended to participate in an insurrectionist coup willing to kidnap, uh, elected officials, possibly killing them or hanging uh, or having them in some kind of banana Republic, uh, court. You know, I'm not, I don't think every single person that was there had that intent, but that's not to say that there weren't people there with that intent. We've gone over this in the previous episode. Um, but the 74 million Americans don't necessarily, um, tell me that they're all terrorists. Not even all 74 million voters probably supported the insurrection, but the, the 74 million, what it does tell us is that Trump's uh, campaign of misinformation and introduction into neo-fascist authoritarianism in the United States was acceptable to 74 million Americans. So it's not necessarily like 
it, it's not just the act of the insurrection that apparently we have the issue with 74 million people supporting Donald Trump. It's much grander than that. It's the entire presidency. Because if, if people voted for Trump just based off of his 2020 actions, that's actually far worse rather than actually supporting him throughout his entire presidency. But his entire presidency was a highlight of a man who wanted to... Um, what uh, concentrate executive power and he even went around saying how article 2 allows him to do whatever he wants when article 2 really just highlights that the president has a uh, full executive power but he tried to increase the amount of power that the executive branch would have you see and that's that's the issue i mean george bush was the same thing Biden, uh obama didn't really rein in the executive powers either executive orders have been increasing with each president uh as we keep going on so it's not necessarily the terrorist thing that i have an issue with i don't watch too much msnbc or cnn so i don't know if they're sitting there on there constantly calling all trump supporters terrorists but they're at least sympathetic to a bit of authoritarianism, especially if the, if it represents their American exceptionalist and American traditionalist values. ...physical threat to the rest of us, and we must deal with them in the way that you deal with threats like that, existential threats to the nation. Saddam Hussein, al-Baghdadi, Kim Jong-un, Donald... So that, like, that was a thing that was like brought up by Meghan McCain, who's a Republican Party member... Um, but she said that she was cool with, and she said this on The View, and I don't know why The View is political, but, like, the she said that she was okay with sending all of them to Gitmo. Not okay with Gitmo here on Talks News. Gitmo needs to go. There's no reason that we need to have a private island so that we can do things like, uh, torture methods or techniques that we can't do in the United States. It seems a bit hypocritical to be like, well, it's not in the United States, although that is a territory of the United States. Skirt, 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 loophole, loophole. But, like, it's, you know, I don't know how we really begin to reach across the aisle with people, with the 74 million voters for Donald Trump, because the right-wing media seems to get them to dig in further into either supporting Trump or just being anti-left because they're constantly uh, marking this idea that they're not trying to, like, the, the liberals aren't trying to get you to compromise, but trying to get you to submit. So, um, you know, with, with the right-wing echo chamber growing uh, every day, it's, it's really hard to find wiggle room and compromise with people who don't necessarily want that. Um, so, I, you know, I, I am all for de-radicalizing as many of the Trump supporters as we possibly can. But there's a, a very complex web of traditional values and ideas of what America is that is going to take us, I, I don't know, maybe even decades to try and undo the damage. But the like I've said, we have the right wing echo chamber trying it is a bit more reactionary to us re reversing those damages. So, you know, it's uh, an incredibly uphill battle, especially with the further left that you go in the political political spectrum of of uh, the United States, like I myself um, I identify as an anarchist and a socialist, and I'm, I can't really put a, a concrete term on there because, you know, it's, it's still a lot of working theory, but I definitely see myself more on the anarchist socialist side. I am definitely down at this point of the American economy that we're at to move into a market socialist, um, model for the economy. Um, 
but it trying to even achieve that market socialism even though we have all the resources and tools to start building that economic f infrastructure is a big hill to climb massive hill to climb and so with the right constantly building that hill at the same time to make it more difficult for left-wing movements to be successful it's 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 very difficult and it's getting much much harder so um, I personally see the Biden administration as a time to highlight the fact that neoliberalism isn't much better than Trump's authoritarianism or even Trumpism, if we're going to put that on there, but th that we need to start looking at better answers, answers that we haven't necessarily tried f before. Some answers we did implement back in the Great Depression, such as Social Security and the welfare programs, but it kind of needs to expand well beyond that to the point where the government isn't necessarily the thing keeping people dependent, but is fully protecting their rights, especially if the right to food, to shelter, and to healthcare. The rest of it, we can start building on trying to create equal of uh, equality of outcomes, even though that's nearly impossible, but at least starting with a base level equality of opportunity where everybody has the same access to the basic necessities, that creates the, the fertile soil of uh, equality of opportunity. So um, yeah, this is this is a giant uphill battle for me because the, the Republicans want people to move further to the right in order to compromise. The liberals want them to move a little to the center to compromise, to say, hey, we need to at least provide some things to the most vulnerable in the working class. Not everything. We need to keep them subsistent so that at least they'll go into the job market. But we need to provide enough so that they're not dying before going into the job market is basically neoliberalism. Um but yeah, uh, big battle for leftists in America. Um, we, we, we're a country 250 years old who's been trying the same thing for over that entire period. So getting to a new level is going to be... Uh, whew, I'm exhausted just thinking about it, honestly. Um, but long tangent for barely two minutes into this video. Donald Trump's voters. For years, they told us this country had been infiltrated by Russian spies, but now we know it's worse than that. The real threat, the actual enemy, is within. In the end, it always is. 74 million deviationists lurk in our midst. They look like normal people, but ladies and gentlemen, do not be deceived. They are Trotskyites. They're wreckers, kulaks. We must root them out. It'll take a war to do that. An actual war. A war on our... <laughs> Oh man, he literally just dove right right head first into that McCarthyism. Like this is this is exactly it that if you can't necessarily build a coalition that's anti-democrat, you can at least take it to the extent where you're anti-leftist in general where you hear socialism, you hear communism, you hear anarchism and you instantly think the destruction of everything you know and love. That's 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 what that is. That's what that is. So if like beating down Biden doesn't work, equating him to the furthest left aspects or people of this country would do just fine. Our own people. To make that point as clear as possible, the Democratic Party has marshaled military leaders to deliver the news. They're the party's spokesman now. General Shane McChrystal is among them. McChrystal, in case you don't remember, is the strategic genius who can take credit, if you can call it that, for running the longest losing war in American history, the one in Afghanistan, the war that's still going. 
Yesterday, McChrystal took a break from collecting fat corporate director's fees to note that based on his extensive experience. That's, I mean, this is such hogwash bullshit. And like, if you go back to 2001 or 2004, like from 2004 to 2008, Fox News was uh, basically building the idea that we need to be in Afghanistan and we need to be in Iraq. So this is a bunch of hogwash bullshit. This is malarkey at its finest. Like, it, 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 it only serves them now to be anti-war because most of the population at this point is against the Afghanistan war and the Iraq war, which we have pulled out neither. Um, but like, if you go back further enough, you'll see CNN, MSNBC, Fox news, you'll see them all coalesce underneath the military industrial complex and f fight for the idea that we need to invade these countries, which actually had nothing to do with the, uh, nine 11 attacks. So um, this is just convenience for Tucker Carlson at this point. Mismanaging America's foreign policy. Trump voters look an awful lot like terrorists, an awful lot. Quote, I did see a similar dynamic in the evolution of Al-Qaeda in Iraq, McChrystal said, where a whole generation of angry Arab youth with very poor prospects followed a powerful leader who promised to take them back to a time to a better place and he led them to embrace an ideology that justified their violence. This is now happening in America. Al-Qaeda in America. Thanks, Stan. Sometime when you can manage to spare a moment from getting rich from your failures in America's decline, we'd love to know exactly what did happen in Afghanistan. What went wrong there, when you have time? That's funny that he would do that, but he actually didn't bring him on to, to defend himself. Now, an, a, another highlight here is how he brought up that the this army general got rich while the America was in decline, even though we see like massive wealth gaps happening in the private sector like right now. Like the Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, like the top earners earned more during the pandemic when most Americans were suffering than they have in a long time. Like 2020 was the biggest transfer of wealth since 2008. So it's not necessarily even just these uh, uh, wars on terror that are making people rich specifically the arms developers uh, or arms manufacturers but like also every time we go through a recession or a depression we seem to also move all of our wealth into the pockets of fewer and fewer people so um and uh, i think another highlight here is that tucker carlson is ignoring the actual movements of militia which are far closer to al-qaeda and they were there at the uh capital riot so um to to, to the the convenience of ignoring the existence of militia groups at that riot allows him to paint the idea that democrats are after the uh, normal average Trump supporter. That's not necessarily true. There are various militia groups that are bolstering themselves for further confrontation, and they are much closer to Al-Qaeda and ISIS, especially with their beliefs of American exceptionalism, ultra-nationalism, and fundamentalist beliefs all wrapping themselves in together. It really doesn't separate them that much from ISIS. So, um, but you're not getting a full in-depth uh, overview of all the participating actors in the Capitol riots. And it's convenient for Tucker Carlson because the viewer is less likely to be a part of those militias and is more likely just to be a, you know, Republican. So, um, you know, he he's using the the militia's actions to make Republicans more sympathetic to the crackdown on anybody who would be considered an insurrectionist or quite possibly a terrorist. There were pipe bombs found outside.
the the DNC and the RNC. So he's obviously obfuscating and avoiding that discussion. Until then, though, Andy McCabe would like to put a finer point on the matter. You remember Andy McCabe. He's the former high-level FBI official who was canned for lying and corruption, a model federal employee. So when Andy McCabe speaks, you could hear the moral authority in his voice, gravelly and resonant like cigarette smoke. You're going to want to listen carefully to what Andy McCabe has to say. According to Andy McCabe's considered judgment, Donald Trump's voters are very much like ISIS. Listen to this. When we looked at those Americans... And, you know, I want to clarify, make sure that this is clear, that I don't think every Trump supporter is much closer to ISIS. I think the militia groups themselves, who are mobilizing as we speak, that's why I do the weekly updates from Militia Watch, they are much closer to Al-Qaeda, they are much closer to ISIS, and the more and more, like, it's good now that they don't have a president that supports and, I don't know, even comforts them, like, their existence being around, but, um, you know, at this point now, they feel that they have a, a domestic enemy in the position of power and so that is probably going to further more events of stochastic terrorism stochastic terrorism was still pretty active during the trump era but under biden they feel that they are already being dominated and conquered by their enemy uh, or their political opponents so i could see it increasing more um like if if biden uh, does do a national lockdown due to the the coronavirus and its new variant that seems to be more infectious I have no idea at that point what militia groups are going to do. To travel to Syria for the purpose of joining the Islamic State, when you put all those faces and names down in one place, you had doctors, lawyers. Some people are very vulnerable to and drawn into that, um, that core lie of any extremist movement, and that is exactly what we're seeing now with these, this particular group of Trump supporters. Wait, American national security official Andy McCabe is telling us they're like ISIS, Islamic State in Syria? Aren't those the wild-eyed lunatics who beheaded journalists and set all those people on fire and then videotaped themselves doing it? Wow, that's terrifying. That's right, Mr. and Mrs. America. I mean, but you have to wonder because there was the guy there, full body armor, pistol on his side, zip tie handcuffs, and it was a pile of zip tie handcuffs. So um, you you had the the QAnon shaman leave a note for uh, 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 former Vice President Mike Pence saying justice is coming. Th like these things don't happen in a vacuum and aren't just going to subside because the FBI is arresting people like Hitler threw a coup back in 1923, but didn't have power until 1933. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, these are building blocks. This isn't just happening in some vacuum where events pop in and pop out. These are building blocks of something from the past and continuing on into the future. Um, so most of them haven't made it to the level of ISIS, either because they don't have the recruitment numbers or they haven't taken the, the, the direct action towards political violence. But this isn't, this isn't just going to stop. And his, uh, his obfuscation of the events is going to further the plausible deniability of other uh, militia groups and actions. Is that a knock on my door? No? All right. What we didn't tell you before was that ISIS was for Donald Trump. That's why they were murdering so many people. They were the Syrian branch of MAGA. 
You may have heard it was some kind I mean, I, I, I had heard that, um, I don't think ISIS endorsed Donald Trump, but Al-Qaeda did. No, the Taliban. The Taliban. Let me see. I don't think ISIS endorsed Trump, but they could have. But I remember, no, the Taliban. Yeah, that's who it was. There is an old article from when Trump was elected saying ISIS reacts to President-elect Donald Trump. So just out of curiosity, I do want to see. Uh, doo -doo -doo -doo. Um, when Donald Trump was elected president, social media sites associated with ISIS and Al-Qaeda celebrated Trump's victory. Ooh. Rejoice with support from Allah and find glad tidings in the imminent demise of America at the hands of Trump, wrote the one ISIS-related outlet. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. Kind of Islamic thing. Come on, that's racist. It was Donald Trump all along. But it, w it was in the 2020 election uh, that Trump was uh, endorsed by Taliban, which is a, uh, a group in al-qaeda which i think he even had negotiations with them to seize power alongside with the uh, other representatives in afghanistan's government um so that's that's interesting i mean you know throughout the 60s and 90s we did work with various groups in the middle east such as al-qaeda taliban uh you know what was once known the mujahideen um i think we've uh not boko haram we haven't helped them we've helped uh other insurgency groups throughout the middle east in order to uh further um american interests in the in, in the middle east so you know our ties to extremist groups uh have been shown before uh but you know highlighting every single trump supporter as a member of isis no but um the militia groups themselves are much closer much 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 closer and i'm talking about oath keepers three percenters sons of liberty there's many more there's hundreds of militia groups inside the united states and um yeah those are the ones we really need to be weary of um because the trump supporters Average Republicans will show up for these protests, but that is only to give strength in numbers to the militia groups who will actually take further action, most likely. Now, those people are in this country, in Dallas and Sarasota and Newport Beach, everywhere. They're hiding in plain sight. God knows what they will do next. Yeah, and I mean, dozens of National Guard troops were removed uh, from their duty to protect Joe Biden and hold the DC lockdown during the inauguration because of their ties to uh, militia groups. Same thing has been happening inside the police. Certain police members have been uh, fired or resigned because of their alignment with three percenters and various others. Uh, there's a group out in California within the police that call themselves the executioners. So e there are extremists and they are everywhere. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, it could be your neighbor and you should report them to the feds. I'm not trying to create another McCarthy era, but people need to be aware of their symbols and their actions. And again, that's why we cover those weekly updates and militia watch whenever they come out. Actually, we do know another 9-11. That's what they're planning. And that's why we need a new 9-11 commission to root them out. But thankfully, Commander Pelosi is planning one right now. Watch. There is strong interest in the Congress in a 9-11 type commission. A deep look in, in a 9-11 style commission to really get to all of what happened. Yeah, they need a...
And I'm not really sure that this is a great idea because it can be used on literally any, um, you know, movement, even if it's like a left wing, uh, peaceful movement. Like, you know, you, you've seen how the federal troops reacted to protesters in Portland. Now, what would happen if it was made much easier to designate them as a terrorist group? Their civil rights would be stripped away almost instantaneously. So uh, not really sure how we're going to create a commission that isn't going to further harm um, dissent against the country. Um, terrorist attacks, of course, are, uh, you know, a level of dissent that is reached like, yeah, it's 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 condemnable because it's political violence that tends to take innocent lives. But um, when it comes to just regular protest movements that may eventually devolve into pro uh, property damage. I don't think we should use the same, essentially, ban hammer against people who destroy property um, without taking lives and uh, people who intent intentionally go out to uh, cause as much violence as they possibly can. I don't think that's ever been a part of the BLM movements. Um, they they're more about systemic change than they are about you know creating chaos in order to prop up a new regime um i think right-wing militias are more into that especially since trump was hoping that their actions would uh overturn the uh, election results on january 6th 9-11 type commission of inquiry uh, along the lines of a 9-11 commission a 9-11 type commission and hopefully an independent 9-11 style commission will look at. I think this is a big enough threat, an attack on the center of our democracy, that it's going to need a look that spans branches of government, something closer to a 9-11 commission. Well, I think we know they're on the same email chain, but that doesn't change the substance of what they just told you. Did you hear Jim Comey, another noted moral authority? What Jim Comey told you is that what happened in Washington on January 6th, the Chewbacca guy stumbling around the House floor and all of it, that was this generation's 9-11. And in fact, the magnitude of that atrocity begs for a better name. So from now on, we're going to call it 1-6. And that day will live in infamy for all time. Your grandchildren will get the day off from school every January 6th in remembrance of the horror that took place. In fact, here's a better idea. Let's call it Insurrection Day, because honestly, that's what it was. The president incited an insurrection against Congress to prevent the peaceful transition of power. And then he sat back and watched the insurrection. Insurrection, a violent mob. You know, it was a unsuccessful and quite inept insurrection, but it was one nonetheless. So, um, you know, we can we can say even even though they didn't capture anybody that was an elected official, and the only people that died were two cops and four, uh, no, three protesters. Um, the the action in itself was a subversion of our democracy and was uh it it ended up breaking the integrity of the government across like multiple lines so um it was an insurrection though it was weak and quite unsuccessful in whatever it was really trying to achieve it was and it happened and it needs to be acknowledged tucker carlson trying to downplay it here just because there was a guy dressed up in it in a costume even though that guy has quite a big influence in the QAnon movement which the QAnon movement is completely devolved from reality um that they like i am genuinely worried about the actions that they might take because they believe that democrats are shape-shifting demons that rape children some of them might be but like 
honestly, like deep down to the core, it it truly ignores any of our systemic issues in the name of this like hyperbolic non-existent myth of what Democrats are doing rather than the actual systemic problems that hurt the, the most disaffected, disenfranchised and working class citizens of this country. It doesn't do anything systemically. And if you allow them to hang a bunch of Democrats in the town square, who are they allowing? Who who would they allow to take power and almost absolute power? And it, it, at, at the time of QAnon and before Trump lost, it was Trump. Trump was their messiah. He was the second coming of Jesus. Um, so you can you can make fun of the QAnon shaman because of his um, I don't know eccentric dressing, but that guy has a bit of influence in the community that he participates in, which has dangerous beliefs. So play play him down as much as you want, Tucker Carlson, but you have to acknowledge that it's a cult that exists right now, constantly evolving, changing their beliefs and their actions. A white supremacist president who incited a white supremacist insurrection an insurrection against our government. The violent attack on the U.S. Capitol was an act of insurrection. The insurrection that violated the sanctity of the people's capital. This was not a protest. This was an insurrection. Bruce Willis in Insurrection Day. But it's not a joke. According to the Honorable Jim McGovern and everyone else you just saw on the screen, this was not a protest. How dare you call it that? This was an insurrection. Insurrection, insurrection, insurrection. Write that a hundred times on the board and don't forget it. I-N-S-U-R-R-E-C-T-I-O-N. Insurrection. Learn it. Love it. But you should also know, by the way, for frame of reference, what an insurrection is not. For example, yesterday, 28 people... The definition of insurrection is a violent uprising against an authority or government. Two police officers died. That's violence against the government, technically. Um, they destroyed public property, which, uh, thanks to Trump's executive order, would give them 10 years in federal prison. Um, even though it, it already was a crime to destroy federal property, um, Trump made sure that people who did so would get 10 years. So there was a crime, there was violence, and it was technically an uprising against elected officials and the, 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 the election itself. Um, but because the AIMS goals uh, ultimately failed, Tucker Carlson has this ability to downplay the whole actions. Um, so uh, if, if you don't think it was an insurrection, um, it, it, it's probably due to the fact that there wasn't that much violence. And when you compare it to other nations, such as third world countries, there tends to be much more violence with machine gun fire, bombing, and all of that. But it, this insurrection in itself was almost heat of the moment and disorganized. Although, like I said, there were militia members there intending to do far more things. Now, Governor Whitmer in Michigan had a plot against her by the Wolverine Watchmen to kidnap her. That is not going to be the last uh, attempt by a militia to uh, attack an elected official. So him downplaying it and ignoring the events in Michigan it allows the... Um, he's basically providing cover for the militia groups as if they don't even exist. And that, that secrecy and that darkness allows them to grow completely unopposed. Arrested at a violent protest in New York, not on behalf of Donald Trump. Those people attacked police officers, a bunch of them went to jail. But know this. 
And then he just lied about that protest. Um, it was a workers' protest uh, to try and get a dollar an hour raise, and the police uh, did what the police does best, and they busted that union. They they uh, tear gas, rubber bullet. They charged at the protesters. Uh, Tucker Carlson, of course, like you know, one eightying that story to put cops in the in the limelight as the the victims of that. When really it was a protest movement in order to cr- increase workers' wages by a dollar per hour. Honestly, and uh, the the cops the 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 cops crushed it in the name of capital. So, were they insurrecting at the time? No, they weren't. How do we know they weren't? Because they weren't racists. Only no, because they didn't storm the capital with the intent of getting any elected officials or sending a message. There wasn't a violent uprising against an authority or government. It was a protest, which was then answered by violence from the government. Racists can insurrect. Listen carefully to Congresswoman Ayanna Presley explain. The threat of white supremacy looms large, and it is uh, tragic uh, that it took this insurrection and this attempt to interrupt the peaceful transfer of power and, moreover, uh, injury and loss of life for many to appreciate uh, just how formidable the threat of white supremacy is. Well, this is a... well, and the thing is, is that you have to highlight that, like, when the Black Lives Matter protests happened in Washington at the Capitol, they instantly had the National Guard all geared up instantly there. That shows a little bit bias towards uh, what kind of movements they're willing to stamp out almost immediately. Whereas with the Capitol riots, they only had D.C. Capitol Police almost in regular gear to to stop the protesters from doing what they did, which obviously the police failed in their attempt to block the protesters from the Capitol. They should have had the National Guard there almost instantly. And that sh- that there shows a little bit of the dichotomy between the, the white supremacist movements, even though I don't want to focus in just that this was just an act of white supremacy. I think it was much more an act of authoritarianism, the, the desire by a lot of c- uh, citizens in this country to want an authoritarian. Um, but you know, Trump does provide a bit of comfortability for the white supremacists and his immigration policies and his ignorance of the black lives matter movement. Definitely, uh, I don't, it, it elated the, the, the white supremacists, it, it emboldened them. They like it, but he wasn't like a full on Woodrow Wilson type of white supremacist president, um, so, like, focusing on on that, I think, is just, like, almost like a bit of class reductionism or just reductionism to say that it was mostly white supremacy fueling all of this when, you know, it had a part to play, but it wasn't all that. It's this desire of authoritarianism that really drove people in there to fight for Donald Trump. Tough one. So what do you do with insurrectionists like that? Insurrectionists who were also white supremacists, as they always are, but not, and here's the tricky part, in some cases, even white. So you have non-white, white supremacists who insurrect. That's very tough. How do you handle them? Simple force doesn't always work. These are hard cases. You need to re-educate people like that, possibly in camps, re-education camps. If- Here we go. Here we go. The victimhood comes in. And we covered this in the right-wing echo chamber that like they're really trying to f- focus in on this idea that they want to throw Republicans into re-education camps and deprogram them away from that. When really, we need to de-radicalize Republicans away from Trump. I don't like the Republican Party whatsoever, so if we can get more people away from that party in general, cool. 
cool beans, good work. But ultimately, what we really need to do is bring uh, the heightened level of certain Trump supporters down a peg and realize that Donald Trump really didn't even care about them. And I feel like that is a good way to start de-radicalizing people away from the idea that an authoritarian can protect the country. It'll protect the, the system and the powers that be and the status quo ultimately, but it won't actually help anybody in the working class. If you will, you must deprogram them for the safety of the rest of us. Thankfully, Sandy Cortez has been thinking about this for quite some time. Indeed, since she was a child growing up in leafy Westchester County. Some little girls played with dolls, but Sandy Cortez put her Barbies in a secure enclosure and re-educated them because they were thinking bad things. Uh, he just made that up. That's and like, why? <laughs> like, why? Didn't things. So Sandy Cortez knows exactly what to do now. We had a program addressing white supremacists uh, that we had programs, federal programs um, that went towards funding organizations like these that de-radicalized people. And President Trump pulled the plug on federal funding for uh, some of these programs. And so one thing that we know is that we have to get that funding right back up and we probably need to double, triple, quadruple, um, or increase funding for these de-radicalization programs. Bad bar and I think what she's uh, referencing there is when Trump uh, attacked the critical race theory training. Um, because, like, trying to understand how uh, racist biases, either implicit or explicit, can affect the opportunities of many citizens in this nation uh and uh so i think that's what she's referencing there and like the last thing that trump did was or his administration was released the 1776 report which said that the criticizing of american founding fathers for their racism uh does more damage than uh their actual racism even though their racism has damaged uh 13% of this population for over 200 years so, um, you know, Trump did do some stuff that was emboldening to the white supremacist movement, but I think that's because they're more willing to fight for that authoritarianism than most regular Republicans are. Most regular Republicans will support it in the, in the, in the sight of danger. Like any time that a, a country really starts to degradate, they'll go over to this Messiah that will save them from all of these existential crises. But, um, like the the white supremacist movement is the one that is probably most willing to do uh political violence in order to ensure the success of that authoritarian so there a lot of moving parts here barbie bad barbie bad barbie those are naughty thoughts this federal program will deprogram you he's a psycho he's literally a psycho he thought that up more than aoc actually did that he's he's crazy so you listen to that and all of this and you realize the totalitarian instinct is always the same, always. Only the names of the dictators change. First you strip people of their right to speak out loud honestly. Then you prevent them from defending themselves and their families. And then, because you now can, you force them at gunpoint to read your catechism, to accept your orthodoxy. You wonder if Sandy Cortez plans to make Trump voters sign written statements of 
I mean, that's not that's not true either. Like it like the whole thing is that, you know, the study that came out saying that if, you know, a viewer watches Fox News is less informed than somebody who doesn't consume news at all. Tucker Carlson's lawyer argued in court that Tucker Carlson wouldn't be uh, taken seriously by any informed person whatsoever. So like um, there is a bit of deprogramming and de-radicalization that needs to happen. And apparently it comes with holding Tucker Carlson accountable for his misinformation, disinformation and his ability to weave narratives that serve a political agenda. Um, so, <laughs> this is so wild. He, 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 just, he continues going on because he would be most affected by the 9-11 Commission in its early form. Um, but uh, he also does play a little bit on the, like, the horseshoe theory here that like the further left that you go, the more authoritarianism that you will get in the same thing if the right... And, um, you know, ultimately down to like true pol politics here, like if you go further left, there, there's a horizontal hierarchical system that you eventually want to achieve. I don't think that uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wants to achieve that. I'm not sure she's like a true socialist. She's definitely a democratic socialist that wants to reform the system in order to provide more for the working class and the most vulnerable of this nation. But she doesn't want to see, I don't, I don't think, at least from most public appearances, that she wants to see a whole reform of the economic and political system in a more socialist ideal um but uh tucker carlson he, he's 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 crazy he's crazy that's uh um but he's building that victimhood to be exploited essentially affirming they have been deprogrammed of course that's always part of the process the scary thing is that's where we're heading Sandy Cortez and her friends are no longer a fringe element within the Democratic Party. Joe Biden ran as a moderate. People voted for him because they thought he was. But Joe Biden's victory was really a victory for Sandy Cortez and that part of the Democratic Party. They are closer now than so. they've ever been to taking control. The reason for that is very so. simple. There is a massive power vacuum at the center of this incoming administration, the one that takes power tomorrow. Joe Biden is fading. That is not a personal attack on Joe Biden. It is real. It's kind Joe of Biden a is not capable attack. of running the government or of pushing back against the radicals in his party. The people around Joe Biden know this very well, and that includes people very close to him, including his relatives. People who love Joe Biden were upset when he ran for president. They know he can't do the job, and they are very worried about what happens next. That is not speculation. They have said so out loud. And no honest person in Joe Biden's orbit will deny this. So the question is, who will <laughs> fill the power vacuum? <laughs> if no one would deny it, why wouldn't you provide like proof? Why not cite your source? Like, <laughs> he gets away with that so often to create like these hypothetical situations that are vaguely true but not necessarily full context. That's so. That's so Carlson. Vacuum within the Biden administration. There are still, and we're being as honest as we can be, there are still reasonable people within the Democratic Party. There are people who have a stake in this country, people who don't want to destroy it. And now is the time for those people, the reasonable people in the Democratic Party, to step up forcefully. But the, here's the thing is that if you listen to like Joe Biden's slogan, build back better. That's 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 almost being like Trump was a degradation of the status quo, um, almost a devolvement of it because it was so authoritarianism that it didn't respect a lot of uh, certain institutions that were meant to uh, 
check and balance each other. But Biden's answer is to build back better. His 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 idea is to go back to the status quo and then for the status quo to thrive and supposedly continue uplifting people out of poverty, even though the 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 trend has been on the decline for decades now since the Reagan era. Um and, you know, Reagan was really the first, you know, rampant neo lib to 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 ever hold office. But like, yeah, just even in his slogan, build back better is something of let's achieve the status quo and then build from there, which, you know, the status quo in itself is exactly what gave us Trump. So uh, ridiculous. What a ridiculous claim and call off the war their party is planning on millions of fellow Americans. And it is war they're planning. A 9-11 commission, blanket censorship, mass arrests, deprogramming. These are not... This, this, you know, and the censorship comes from the stories that we covered last two episodes, um, but it isn't necessarily with the uh, corporations and the government coming together and fighting against Republicans. It's just part of the fact that Republicans have been the, the, the biggest distributors of misinformation and disinformation in the name of political agendas. Um, so it's not necessarily the corporate and the government merging together. Um, it's merely just the corporations even trying to hold themselves, um, you know, uh, basically saving face in front of, you know, because uh, the Democratic Party well, among voters and supporters is the majority party. So in seeing in that, they're ma mainly trying to protect themselves in the market and then also trying to protect themselves from further court actions. And that's why Trump wanted to uh, attack Section 230 so that Republicans would have more leverage to hold co corporations accountable from them, uh, blocking their attempts to spread misinformation. So, uh, yeah, that's that's super cool, Tucker. Subtle indicators. These are fire alarms and everyone can see them. No one seems to care at the moment. In the last week, CNN and the Washington Post have called for Fox News to be shut down by force. Why? Because they don't like our views, so we should be banned. But again, and there's a study that says anybody who views Fox News is less informed than someone who consumes no news whatsoever. It was published like two years ago. Um... Oh, wow. Yeah, longer than that. It came out in 2012. <laughs> uh, watching only Fox News makes you less informed than watching no news at all. Um, let's see. Let me see where the... Uh, it came from Fairleigh Dickinson University's newest public mind survey. So, um, yeah, there's there's where that comes from. Um, it's, it's, it's an old conversation and I feel like they've only gotten worse under Trump. Trump was a third of the misinformation coming out about coronavirus at the height of the pandemic. So, uh, let, let that be known. And, you know, Fox news regurgitated almost everything that Trump wanted to say and do. Uh, they were even worried back at the early days of the pandemic, whether or not they were, they were, uh, liable for, uh, you know, a lot of the lives that they helped the president spread. 
So uh, Fox News does need to hold accountability, and we need to start holding them to the fire when they spread this misinformation. But so far, nobody seems to actually be taking action on that because, I don't know, fascism can really only operate with two wings. You need the, the, the supposed opposition party to appear as if they're against what the, the, the other party is doing. But really, they work hand in hand in order to keep the 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 populace at each other's throats while they continue working together to uh, ostracize the working class so in a normal country reasonable people including other journalists might stand up and say hold on censorship is wrong censorship only serves the powerful but they've said nothing because they agree meanwhile our elected officials become openly authoritarian and no one pushes back D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser said she would like... I mean, four, tr four years of Trump and Fox News pushed back none. So... <laughs> the National Guard to place crew-served machine guns, belt-fed 50 cals around the city. This in addition to 26,000 federal troops, more than Abraham Lincoln had defending the Capitol in 1864. But we need those, she said, because Trump voters are that dangerous. What did the massive infrastructure of professional libertarians in Washington say to this? Nothing. They were silent. What did Mitch McConnell say, the Republican leader of the Senate? Nothing. He was too busy attacking Trump voters for being the real threat. Other members of Congress on the other side uh, just tore off the... Uh, you know, Mitch McConnell, like, just kind of waited to see how everything was going to turn out. And once he finally realized that Trump didn't have enough evidence nor... Uh, you know, enough strength to actually overturn the election. After six weeks of silence, Mitch McConnell finally acknowledged that Joe Biden won the the election. So, like, Mitch McConnell is just a slippery worm who just goes wherever the, the wind is blowing, honestly. So, um, yeah, it's fair attack, honestly. It's a fair attack on, on Mitch McConnell, that slippery little slime bag. The mask completely and launched into open race hate on television. That's not an exaggeration. We wish it was. Here's Congressman Jamal Bowman explaining that the real problem with this country is white people. They're the threat to progress. But this is a chance for all of us in Congress to sort of begin at a new baseline and stop spreading the myth of American exceptionalism and accept the fact that this is exactly who we are and this is exactly who we've been throughout our country's history. Whenever there's social progress, there's white backlash. The story here is not that one member of Congress said this. I don't really see him blaming like white people for everything like Tucker Carlson had um, alleged. But like in the name of Black Lives Matter, um, a lot of, you know, mostly white supporters, there were color, you know, very multiracial people who said blue lives matter. But it was predominantly white people who said blue lives matter in order to uh, hurt the Black Lives Matter uh, movement. So, you know, and uh, even Martin Luther King had said that he, you know, kind of uh, was weary of the white liberals um, because most of the time they will side with the status quo and the government in order to, uh, you know, slow down the 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 progress of um human and civil rights for multiracial people, um, mainly because of like the, the churning of the narrative from the media and from people in positions of power who are against those movements themselves. So, um, and they tend to mostly be white and, um, yeah, 
uh, it's not like white people are entirely hurting the progress of this nation. It's just they tend to be inside of those ideologies that do. On television, the story is that many members of Congress and members of our media say this on television every single day, attack huge groups of Americans on the basis of their skin color, and nobody says anything. Nobody pushes back as if there are no consequences to talking that way. But there are. How long can people keep talking like that and keep acting like this irresponsibly, crazily, before something breaks? Before one of those 74 million hunted terrorist Trotskyite wreckers we keep hearing about becomes so overwrought and paranoid from watching demagogues like Jamal Bowman attack him on MSNBC that he does something truly awful that can't be taken back. And then the cycle accelerates radically and an awful lot of people get hurt. So I, what I find fascinating is that we spent 15 minutes of Tucker Carlson telling you why you should be angry at the Democratic Party and is like and and how you're being oppressed by, you know, large power structures inside the United States. And he's alleging that it is their, their fault of, you know, making Americans so mad that they would take action, possible violent action. How long do we have until they break, even though he's literally up here almost inciting this kind of feeling inside of Americans. Um, so I, f I find that interesting that he's able to incite the feeling of oppression inside of Americans and then basically shift the blame onto the Democratic Party, which is what we're going to see throughout this entire year through every action that Joe Biden does. If, if he stops the construction of the building of the wall, then that's an attack on, uh, you know, Americans because he's supporting immigrants more than he is supporting Americans. It's, yeah, th this is something that's going to continue to build. That's where this is going. Everyone knows it. That's where this will go until and unless someone responsible within the Democratic Party appears and puts a stop to it and soon. It's time for the victors to accept their victory, to forgive the team they beat, and to move on. You won. Be happy. Yeah, but like since the day that Joe Biden won and up until now, they've been denying and trying to build the idea that Trump has a chance. And up until January 6th, when all shit hit the fan, that's when it became clear Trump didn't have a chance. And then they pivoted like, oh, it's so clear that you won. Oh, man, we sh you know, you should just, you know, accept uh, accept the results. And it's like, dude, you guys have been the ones fighting and denying. That's you. That's you, Tucker. Um, but yeah, so we have another segment to get into, but first a short break so that I can properly upload all of this stuff. So, uh, try not to go anywhere, but if you do, I hope it's to get a glass of water, uh, to wash all of this down with. Um, yeah, so we will be right back after this brief, uh, shift change, I guess. I don't know. Change of the guard, except the guard will be me still. So I don't know, but we'll be right back.
And we're back. A little easy transition there. With more Cucker Tarlson tonight, we got another segment to get into, which I find redundant, but he's spent almost three nights on the same subject. So what we just went through was Tucker Democratic Party is planning a war on half of America. And then the following segment he decided to do was party in power is demonizing half of the country. It almost sounds a bit redundant, but that's kind of part of the right wing echo chamber is to reinforce, build the idea. You can't just plant the seed. You have to continue watering it. So uh, that is the further diving of this episode called anarcho-authoritarianism. The idea that the further left that you go or the further right that you go will eventually lead you to the same place. It's not true. It's it, Horseshoe theory is a bullshit lie. Unfortunately, it's been built off of the idea of communist Russia, authoritarian regime, communist China, authoritarian regime, but because they use communism nominally just as a as a as a brand on there to pretend that their authoritarianism is benevolent and cares for the working class um it you know as soon as you reach authoritarianism you've reached the right uh, on my own personal opinion because as far right as you can possibly go you reach fascism which is a merging of authoritarian government and a free laissez-faire capitalist system economically um and um I don't know. Even even if you have discussions with most people on the right side of the political spectrum, they'll say that the leftists are the actual fascists, the anti-fascists are actually the fascists, and that's that's the horseshoe theory moving the 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 true uh, full power of the right wing from you know they're no longer the farthest you go on uh, right wing. ideologies you don't get fascism you somehow get libertarianism which is the idea of a really small government and a really laissez-faire capitalist system but um that that never really has come into fruition either it still usually attends to lead to a regime that's authoritarian which um regulates working class citizens and immigrants extremely hard while allowing the capitalist system to do whatever it wants so um yeah, horseshoe theory is a bunch of malarkey, as our president would, uh, he would use that term. I don't know if he would agree that, uh, you know, the, the theory in itself is malarkey, but to me it is, because it, it's this idea that the further left or right that you go, you eventually reach the same conclusion. But in, you know, through historical context, we know that the further left that you go, you get Catalonia in uh in spain you know an anarchist revolution trying a uh a horizontal hierarchical system that you know isn't dependent on a pyramid scheme whereas the farther right that you go you have that one person at the top or a few people at the top who run everything so tucker party in power is demonizing half of the country how and why Welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Happy Inauguration Day. It's a big moment for the country. A changing of the guard, a peaceful transfer of power, another reassuring display of the awesome pageantry of constitutional government. There were solemn speeches today, sworn oaths, belted anthems, all echoing against the backdrop of 26,000 smartly attired federal troops 
who were guarding our capital city from unseen threats. It was quite a display. It was all a lot to take, really. So like many of you, we flipped on the tube to see what it meant. And here's what we learned. Uh, Joe Biden respects government. He respects people who disagree with him. He listens to them. I think that uh, Joe Biden is going to train us to see the world differently. He plans to usher in a new era of hope and the action he's promising the minute he takes office. We've gone. And what's really funny is I did hear like a quote from a while back from Joe Biden that said that he said that he wanted to be he wanted to be the uh, the Abr uh, of his time. He wanted to be the Abr. Uh, God, Abraham Lincoln president, which like, why would you want to be the Abraham Lincoln president? Like did Abraham Lincoln, in order to bring the country back together, he divided it super hard with a civil war. And, um, you know, I I think it was for the right cause, the abolition of slavery, although Abraham Lincoln's not necessarily the perfect symbol of that because he still believed that white supremacy was needed in, in order to keep order. Um, But uh, yeah, Joe Biden thinks that he's the Abraham Lincoln president who wants to reunite the entire country. Um, And as long as we have the right wing echo chamber, that's never going to happen. They're going to constantly be reactionary to whatever Biden does the same way that they were with Obama. But they're also going to be reactionary from anything that moves the country further left on the political spectrum um, because socialism is the ultimate evil. Uh, but Joseph Biden is not going to be the uh, Abraham Lincoln president that he wants to be, and nor is he going to be unifying. The only thing that we're really going to get flavor, a, 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 a difference in flavor from Biden compared to Trump is that his language is going to be much more uh, settled, where like as soon as Trump came to run for president, he immediately said that Mexico's giving them, giving us all of their rapists. That's not the language that Joe Biden's going to use, but that's why you have to watch uh, Joe Biden's policies even harder than you do Trump, because Trump's language was ugly and his policies were ugly, so it was much easier to criticize him. The unfortunate fact is, is that CNN and MSNBC is going to ignore the ugly aspects of Biden's policies and focus merely on his words. And I think that's ultimately where the left or the Democrat liberal um, mainstream media is going to fail a lot of um, a lot of voters and people. And that's what's going to allow that vacuum to exist for uh, right wing people to grab people who are disaffected from the neoliberalist system and say, hey, this conservatism isn't so bad now, is it? from indecency to decency. He filled that empathy void. There was not one part of that that wasn't just medicine in the wound. That's what I'm saying. You see, Tucker Carlson picks the perfect clips to highlight this. But until we actually see material conditions change for the most vulnerable and the most affected by the system, his words are meaningless. Meaningless. You got capitalism with a smile. That's all you're getting, rather than Trump's weird frog lips. Those lights that are that are just shooting out from the Lincoln Memorial uh, along the reflecting pool, it, I look, it's like almost extensions of Joe Biden's arms embracing America. It was a moment where the new president came to town. So to recap, Joe Biden respects people's differences, but at the same time, he's going to... Man, I don't know what they did, but his microphone has got hella static in it. Like... This is a a professional uh, news outlet, and that is a lot of static coming through his microphone right now.
train us to be very different from the way we are. He will bring hope and decency. He will fill the yawning void where our empathy should be. He is medicine. Joe Biden's arms, lean and hard from decades of empathetic labor on our behalf, will encircle us like lights from the Lincoln Memorial. And at that point, well, God knows, anything is possible. If there's a thin bead of sweat forming on your upper lip as you think about all of this, that's okay. Don't feel shame. Shame isn't necessary now. Joe Biden is here. And not just Joe Biden, Jill Biden too, Mrs. Biden, Dr. Biden. Together, the two of them, MSNBC informed us, will redeem this nation through their love. Behold. What a story, though. What a great love story between Jill Biden and Joe Biden. It's just a different kind of marriage. The, this is a, a love match like the Obamas were. So I think that'll be healing for the country, too. The Biden's marriage is healing for all of us, for the country. The Biden's love is America's love. Jill and Joe are the mother and father of this nation. From their loins, we are born and yet reborn. May their names emerge from our lips in praise forever. And so on. That was cable. I mean, do you see the tactic that he always does is that he takes like a clip of what someone says and then exaggerates the meaning well beyond the intended meaning of it? That's that's so. I mean, how, how else can you weave a narrative without like basically taking someone's argument, like the little bit of straw that you get and then making like a bigger straw man for you to fight against? It's perfect for his narrative propaganda. News today. The funny thing is, and there are many funny things going on right now, every person with a microphone in every TV studio in America today knew the fuller truth when they said things like the ones you just heard. They knew, for example, for certain, that Joe Biden isn't well. Everyone in Washington knows that. But no one said it out loud, not a word. They withheld that news from you as they have for months. So much for speaking truth to power. I mean, and I, you know, back in the election days, like I highlighted the fact that Joe Biden, like him speaking was such like uh, he always dropped the ball whenever he spoke without a, uh, a what is it? What are what are those called? The, the, uh, what it, oh man, when they read their scripts, oh man, it's not a projector. Telegram? No. Uh, man, I can't remember the word for it, but they get, you know, the, the thing that was there at the inauguration, those two panels that they read their script off of, like without that, Joe Biden is incredibly like clumsy with his words and his speech and his thought process. And that's always been prevalent. But I mean, Trump has had many speeches where he's incoherently speaking and rambling. So like the difference there really isn't that big between the two. Um, but what he's saying here that Joe Biden isn't well, is that he's still just attacking his age and saying that he's going to die soon, which could or couldn't happen. Really, anybody can die at any moment. Um, but, you know, just really attacking Joe Biden for his age is is, is in saying he's not well is it's 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 weak shit. It's really weak. And um, it's just like a little it's low hanging fruit. Ultimately, that's, you know, by saying he's not well, but not highlighting any serious medical condition that he's suffering. Um, you know, that's just low hanging fruit honestly. And it's not like, you know, uh, he's reached the level of Woodrow Wilson where his wife is running everything behind the scenes. On the other hand, what did you expect? You've watched the lying for years now. You know what it is. You figured out how it works. So it dawned on us today that maybe we ought to stop playing all these stupid media clips every night. It's like watching the town drunk throw up on himself over and over again. Obviously, it's repulsive and shocking. It's hard to turn away. But can you really be surprised by it? 
Throwing up on themselves is what town drunks do. If you keep watching them as they do it, maybe after a while you are part of the problem. Maybe so. In any case, we flipped off CNN and decided to check out Joe Biden's speech for ourselves. And it was interesting, actually, both for what it said and for what it didn't say. One particular part of this speech stuck out especially. Now, we didn't support Joe Biden for president. You probably guessed that. But if we're being totally honest here, and we want to be honest, we have to say it was very hard to disagree with this specific part of the address. Watch. On this January day, my whole soul is in this, bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. And I ask every American to join me in this cause. With unity, we can do great things, important things. Bringing America together, Biden said, uniting our people, uniting our nation, to which we said as we watched it, and we meant it when we did, amen, unity. That is precisely what this country needs more than it needs anything. We are all in this together, every single American, and we have no choice but to hang together. Let's finally accept that we are one country and act like we are and make this a better place for everyone. Unity. No decent person opposes that. If Joe Biden can bring unity to this country. Um, this this podcast does oppose that. Uh, there is no unity with fascists, and it's almost in the same uh, vein as like Republicans and conservatives will have no unity with socialists. Um, and, you know, there are people in this country who uh, do support authoritarianism. And so long as it protects American so-called American values. Um, so, you know, the unity that Tucker Carlson is agreeing with here, I think, is much easier for the moderate Republicans and moderate Democrats. But there are people who are further down the line of these political spectrums that can't actually find unity. And so what are we going to do to actually de-radicalize these people when both of their goals and what they want to see from this country do actually oppose each other? And so long as the status quo continues to uh, necessitate the need for moderates, they're going to play the idea that, you know, there is no bridge between the Republican and Democrat Party because the existence of the far right and the far left who want to achieve actual, you know, changes in the material conditions that is either socialism or further down on the right authoritarianism. So uh, the unity in this country, while it does sound uh, nice, it does sound pleasant to me, I actually don't see it possible um, until, you know, capitalism makes a significant change. Um, but, you know, if you reach the level of authoritarianism, then you're still going to have resistance. So uh, unity, yeah, I don't see. I don't see how. I really don't. Um, unless, you know, I, I, I honestly believe unless like the working class really unites and creates this super union to where a general strike is possible, then, you know, the working class can unite against the, the bourgeois capitalist class, but anything other than that, um, it's kaputs. And I don't really see that union general strike happening anytime soon either. So he'll be a legitimately great president, but there's a catch. There always is a catch. We're going to bring America together, Joe Biden told us today, but not everyone is going to be included. Unity doesn't mean every single American, because not everyone who was born within our borders really is an American. Some of us are beyond the pale of citizenship morally. We may have American passports and birth certificates, but effectively, we are hostile foreigners. We are the enemy. We must be defeated. 
Here's who Joe Biden says those people are. A rise of political extremism, white supremacy, domestic terrorism that we must confront and we will defeat. We will defeat political extremists. So yet again, it's the same thing that Tucker Carlson did in the last um, episode or segment that he did. And that he's like kind of obfuscating the line between who the Democrats are talking about. And again, it's mostly about the right wing militia groups that are mobilizing and bolstering. And so I'm genuinely interested when we do see events of stochastic terrorism, how Fox News is going to skirt away from that issue. Um, and, you know, is he is he still going to try and lump some every Trump supporter with these people? Because that's what he's doing right now. But since he doesn't actually highlight who Joe Biden is talking about, which is the militia groups and the more um, active political movements within those, um, that, that that allows him to seem like it's just an average, normal Republicans being attacked. And it's not necessarily true. It would be great to de-radicalize people away from supporting Trump, but that's not going to happen under these right-wing militia groups who are much more dedicated to that authoritarian uh, even Christian fundamentalist ideology that they all seem to kind of uh, coalesce around. Domestic terrorists, white supremacists, those are America's enemies. We much wave. I mean, even uh, the FBI had said that um, white supremacist militias are a great danger of domestic terrorism. So again, he's really just ignoring the militias and focusing in as if this is just on Trump supporters in general. And that, again, reinforcing in the building blocks of the, the the victimhood that they're going to feel over the next four years. Age war against them. We must, quote, defeat those people. That's what Biden said today. It seemed like a highly significant part of his speech and maybe a significant part of the Democratic Party's governing agenda going forward. We're not imagining this. We weren't the only ones who noticed it. People who voted for Joe Biden heard it, too. Watch. I heard a declaration of war against white supremacy and against the lies that brought our democracy to the brink. And President-elect Biden will inherit an unprecedented domestic security crisis. A declaration of war against white supremacy. Now, you may not have noticed that because on one level, it's not very remarkable. Not many Americans support white supremacy. Most people in this country find it disgusting, of course, and they should. But the question is, what is it exactly? Now that we're waging war on white supremacists, can somebody tell us in very clear language what a white supremacist is? It's so funny that he's been doing, like, he's been doing this for so long and he's been accused of being a white nationalist, and yet he still doesn't know what white supremacy is. But, you know, obviously he's playing dumb. Uh, but, you know, let's just get the dictionary definition right here. The belief that white people constitute a superior race and should therefore dominate society, typically to the exclusion or detriment of other racial and ethnic groups, in particular black or Jewish people. There is a clear definition, Tucker, and it is in the dictionary. So, That's not some picayune semantic question. Joe Biden isn't a high school debate coach. Joe Biden is the new president of the United States. Joe Biden controls the largest military and largest law enforcement agencies in the world. He has now declared war. So we should know specifically and precisely who exactly he has declared war on. We have a right to know that. Innocent people could be hurt in this war. They usually are. 
There could be collateral damage in this war, and the casualties will be Americans. So again, what is a white supremacist? <laughs> you might be surprised to learn just how broad the definition for that has become. Bloomberg News has described a wall along our southern border as, quote, a monument to white supremacy. So be certain not to support that. Colin Kaepernick, who seems... It is because not allowing asylum seekers and immigrants into the country and the this giant symbol that says we want to keep you out, such as a border wall, it is kind of a symbol of white supremacy because it doesn't allow the country to further its like uh, multiracial uh population to grow it it, it it like already i can't remember by what year uh that the wh white uh ethnic group or the i guess the white complexion in this country is going to become the minority um but that's what it is it's saying hey brown immigrants we don't want you coming in here and muddying our waters so yeah it is it is kind of sort of a fucking uh, symbol to white supremacy tucker to have the unequivocal support of corporate America calls the 4th of July an example of white supremacy. So you'd better put away the fireworks and the hot dogs. Uh, I don't know who actually said that, but Trump's speech on the 4th of July was a highlight of American exceptionalism and white nationalism. And the 1776 report also, too, is a support of white supremacy by saying that we shouldn't criticize the Founding Fathers for supporting slavery. Um, so, yeah. There, there were there were acts of, you know, uh, emboldening white supremacists throughout Trump's era, even though he didn't take direct actions to send more people to concentration camps, although there were concentration camps for the immigrants and migrants, uh, you know, the asylum seekers who happened to be brown. The United States Army, a trusted institution, if there ever was one, has used an entire manual on what is and what is not white supremacy. So you should know this. Among the telltale signs of a committed white supremacist are these, celebrating Columbus Day, using the term American exceptionalism. I mean, but, you know, uh, Columbus was a white supremacist who committed acts against colored people. So, um, you know, celebrating it without any critical thought whatsoever and just being like Columbus was such a great man there is a hint of white supremacy in there as well because you're basically forgetting and apologizing for the uh, atrocious acts that even uh Christopher Columbus went to jail for so uh yeah any support for federal border security or English only measures or quote education funding from property taxes all white supremacy Using the phrase, there's only one human race, is white supremacy too, according to the army. And of course, what? voting for Donald Trump. All white What? <laughs> like, can he provide a site for that? How, how do you say there's one human race and that that is a, a white supremacy? Like, by saying there's only the human race, that completely absolves any racial, like, existence and that we're all just humans. That, that's not white supremacy. I don't know where the fuck he got that. White supremacy is saying that there's only one human race and it's white. White supremacy. Here's the problem. Let's... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, if you're supporting the same guy as the Ku Klux Klan, yeah, you can, you can make that argument. So you don't buy those definitions. Let's say you're, for example, white but poor. And you have trouble accepting the idea that you're benefiting from some kind of structural advantage. You better shut up about it if you know what's good for you, because according to the United States Army, the, quote, denial of white privilege is a classic sign of, yes, white supremacy. So no complaining. 
You can see the problem with this. We definitely. I mean, yeah. If you, if you deny the existence of white privilege, th then that that serves in the case that white supremacy. It's it's it helps serve that by furthering the ignorance of people's implicit and explicit biases. It's not thinking critically either. So um, it 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 helps white supremacy, even though it might not be necessarily overt white supremacy. Definitely can see the problem. This show was not on the air for six months before there was an organized and highly aggressive campaign by prominent Democrats to denounce us as white supremacists. <laughs> Remember when Tucker Carlson had to fire his editor-in-chief because they went on to uh, forums and said some white supremacist shit? Yeah, Tucker Carlson had to take like a little hiatus during that. You, you guys remember that? It was it was back in 2020. Uh, yeah. The first time it happened, the people who work on this show, many of them kids, were shocked and horrified by that. White supremacists? What's worse than that? The phrase evokes images of burning crosses and lynchings. It's awful. In our case, it was totally undeserved. This show is completely opposed to the practice of judging people on the basis of their skin color. We have said that repeatedly every week for four years. No show in all media has said it more or meant it more sincerely. Why have we said that? Why are we opposed to judging people on the basis of their race? Not simply because we were taught to oppose doing that, though we were, but because it's immoral. And it's immoral because we believe in God. That's the real answer. <laughs> believing in God doesn't make you a good person, unfortunately. But believing in God does answer the question of where we came from. God made us. That's what believers believe. Once you understand that, it is impossible to think that any one race is inherently better or worse than any other race. Because No, it's not. Because, like, uh, Manifest Destiny uh, was the, the driver of uh, robbing land from Native Americans and giving it to white people. Um, and the, the whole identity, like the Christianity provided this, uh, idea since, you know, the Europeans who landed in America and who brought slaves, uh, from Africa were, um, were Christians. And so they knew the light of Jesus and God while these other people were blasphemous sinners who were living in the dark. And that's why they deserved to be dominated by the, the white race who was chosen by God. Like it goes all the way down the line. So the belief in God did not eliminate white supremacy. It, it, it in fact emboldened it throughout history. As God made every person, God assigns identical moral value to every individual. God cares about all of us equally. And, you know, even since the creation of the Constitution that they said that, like, all of our rights inscribed in the Constitution were God-given rights, but God forgot black people at the start of this country, considering them three-fifths people, and then eventually through the 13th Amendment and the 14th Amendment finally gave them full citizenship rights. So, uh, cool beans, Tucker. Good understanding of history from this guy. So we are judged by what we do, not by how we were born. We really believe that. Most Americans really believe that. It's not an accident that Martin Luther King was a Christian minister and that Joseph Stalin and Mao Zedong were not. Secular leaders. Yeah, but uh, Martin Luther King was also a socialist. So he, he may have been Christian, but he, he was also socialist are the ones most likely to count their populations by race and then to embrace collective punishment.
through history they often have. We've said all of that before on the show many times. So the question is, why have they kept denouncing us as, of all things, white supremacists? Because you had to fire your editor-in-chief for being a white supremacist. That's why, Tucker Carlson. And also because you obfuscate the history of this country. Like, I'm sure that he would defend the existence of the 1776 report, which basically uh, highlights uh, that, you know, the founding fathers shouldn't be judged for their holding of slaves. Uh, yeah, so, like, you, you, you don't overtly... Um, you know, support white supremacy. In fact, in your words, you deny them or you, you condemn them. But then when it comes time to actually use history to understand uh, white supremacy and racial issues in this country, you're not willing to do that either. So it at least it at least helps white supremacy in, 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 in its uh, continued maintenance, but not necessarily does it embolden it. So... We thought a lot about that. You should think a lot about it, too, now that the Biden administration has declared war on people they claim have white supremacist ideas. In our case, it all started when we began criticizing the people in charge. Other channels fill their air with attacks on so-called Proud Boys, whoever they are, or the QAnon enthusiasts. Or That's amazing that Tucker Carlson says Proud Boys, whoever they are, as if, like, you couldn't have done the research. Um, but like, of course, like Tucker Carlson is going to assume his viewers don't really know them because there hasn't been a full coverage of them on Fox News. So why would they be aware of the actual Proud Boys and what their beliefs are? Um, and that obfuscation obviously just, again, helps lend to the idea that there's just these fringe actors that are being used in order to clamp down on regular Republicans. Gun owners in central Pennsylvania who fix air conditionings for a living and tend to vote the wrong way. They go after those people. And you can see why. Attacking those people isn't hard. None of them have real power. They don't. Let's be honest, they don't. But private equity does have power, a lot of power. So does Google. So does Citibank. So does the government of China. So does even silly Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez with her massive social media accounts. Those are the people who run our country. And they don't like to be criticized. Did he just say that communist China runs our country? Wow. Wow. On the other hand, they don't care to defend themselves directly with reason and fact. Often they can't do that. So instead they denounce you, your critics, their critics, as white supremacists. And then they just ignore what you say. Yeah, and I don't I don't agree with that. Like I said earlier, it's it's a reductionist tactic here. By focusing in merely just on the white supremacist actions, you're not really looking at the broadening clampdown of authoritarianism in general. Um, and, and, you know, yeah, and the increase of power within private companies, but Tucker Carlson is using that reductionism to his favor to say, this is what they're after. They're after anybody who may or may not look like a white supremacist. And really, I'm more worried about people who accept authoritarianism without blatantly knowing that it's authoritarianism. Fine. We've dealt with this for years. We're used to it. It no longer hurts our feelings. We understand what's going on. But there's a new regime in power starting today and they seem to be planning to accelerate things dramatically. They're getting the FBI and the Pentagon involved in this hunt for people who may criticize them. That's a very... That's, that's not who. That's not who they're going after. ...big change. And you should understand what it's really about. 
And you're not going to do that through Tucker Carlson. You're going to uh, basically get what you should feel about what it is really about. And that has been this episode of Tox News. Oh, man, that was that was a whole lot of bullshit. Whew. Well, uh, I don't know, like, subscribe, review, rate, all that good stuff. And uh, follow me on Twitter at ToxinPod, T-O-X-N-P-O-D. Uh, and I will be back yet again with a more uh, segment-oriented episode. Like I said, uh, Theory Thursday with Yuval Noah Harari's Sapiens. A brief history of humankind has been pushed back until next Thursday. I'm so sorry. But uh, other than that, uh, shall be back with more of this, um, I don't know, brain-numbing nonsense that only serves to uh, further the divide of this country. So, shouts out to Tucker Carlson for making that gap even bigger um i don't i don't i don't know how to close this podcast ever so i'm just gonna wish you a farewell and uh just let you know that you are loved and appreciated that's that's pretty much it so uh we out <laughs>